Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. This week, Tammy and I had the unique opportunity to uh, go up to Centennial, Wyoming, and uh, stay in a bed and breakfast right on the North Fork of the Little Laramie River. And it, it was just such a beautiful place. And the fact that it, um, it snowed, it, we were supposed to get there at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night. We got there at like 10.30. Uh, Wyoming blizzards are nothing to joke about. They're kind of hard to drive in. So I kind of drive in blizzards like I do. Roundabouts, just close your eyes and go faster. And it's, it's worked out so far. It works until it doesn't. But um, no, we made it there. We, we were very careful. And man, just the ability to just relax um, was so needed in my life. And so we spent all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday, and we left about one o'clock on Saturday. But um, another reason that we were able to do this is because Cammie shows... Uh, some Irish setters for some really great friends of hers and now friends of mine, uh, Jan and Paul, and they have just world champion level Irish setters. And we got to run with them. Well, I didn't run. The Irish setters ran and jumped in the water. And it, it, was, it was just cool. So we had to bring them back to Denver because they were out of town. We were watching them. We could stay in their Airbnb. We babysat the dogs. And then we brought them back to Denver where they have another house. So me driving around downtown Denver uh, over in the Cherry Hills area, I, I get honked at a lot. People are so friendly. They just want to tell me hello. You know, whenever I just stop in the middle of the road, you know, trying to look at numbers on houses and stuff like that. So we finally find the house, right? And so I park and I, I tell Cammy, I was like, we got to hurry and get these dogs dropped off because I'm sitting in front of a fire hydrant. So anyway, we jumped out, we left the two little dogs, Willie and Sancho, in the truck, and we took the, the Irish setters in and let them use the bathroom in the backyard. And, and I bathroom, and Tammy said it wasn't a good idea for me to go in the backyard, so she made me go inside. And so here's this house that I've never been in before. It's one of those, those cool-looking, like, plantation-style, you know how some of them are in those downtown areas. It's so cool. And so anyway, it's a really old house, so... I walk in, and of course, all the doors are shut. So I don't know where a bathroom is, and you're trying not to be real nosy. And so I opened up the first door that I came to, and it was a bedroom, right? I was like, oh, that's a bedroom. So I shut the door. And so I'm thinking the door right next to it has to be the bathroom, right? And man, I've just been so relaxed and like nonchalant and carefree for, for four days, and my soul is rejuvenated. And so I'm just going to go into the bathroom. And I opened it up, and I step into the bathroom, but it is not the bathroom. It is the stairs to the basement. I am not kidding you. I screamed like a girl, and I was hanging upside down by one arm onto the doorknob. My life flashed before me. And the future love of my life, my fiancé, laughed. When it was nothing but my Christian ninja skills that kept me alive that day, my life flashed before my eyes. I guess there is a thing of being just too relaxed and too nonchalant. But you know what? Listen, cowboys, and that includes cowgirls, because some of the best cowboys I know are women. Cowboys 
always have an innate ability to have a great work ethic. I don't know that you can be a cowboy without having a great work ethic because 99.9% of the time, nobody's there making sure you check the waters. Nobody's there watching and make sure you check the corners whenever you're gathering. There's a thousand things that you could just blow off and not do, but you have to do it. And, you, and cowboys usually get up early in the morning. They're the last ones in. Cowboys and the cowboy culture is renowned. And I'm not talking about just working ranch cowboys. I'm talking about the culture in itself. Our world-renowned for their work ethic. Their work ethic is truly legendary. But eventually, it comes at a high cost. Because you see, you can't get water from an empty well. And you, I've come to realize the older I get, the magical age of 23, I've come to realize that a great work ethic requires a great rest ethic. Because if you don't have a great rest ethic, then you are eventually going to get sick. You're going to get burned out. You're going to start taking it out on people that are closest to you, that you love most in this life. You're going to develop maybe depression, anxiety. You'll start self-medicating. All from having a great work ethic without a great rest ethic. So how biblically do we develop a great rest ethic, to go along with the great work ethic that we already have. Today, we're going to talk about four ways to develop a great rest ethic to go along with our work ethic. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you want to develop a great rest ethic, you have to have that come to Jesus meeting because without Jesus, you will never truly be able to rest. We must come to Jesus as it says. Jesus says, come to me. The first thing he says, come to me. I mean, the rest of it is amazing, but let us not miss the first Three words that are the most important in this passage. Jesus says, come to me. Without Jesus, your rest ethic would be one step forward and one step back at its highest efficiency. Without Jesus, sure, you can rest, but, but it's, it, it really is. It's one step forward and one step back. You never really gain anything, but you can lose it in a heartbeat when it's just one step forward and one step back. We must come to Jesus to get the rest that we need. There is no other way. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. He didn't say, go to your recliner and watch football, and that's the rest you need. He didn't say, go on a spa and a mani-pedi day, because that's the rest you need. He doesn't say, you know, to go to a cabin in the snowy mountain range, because that's the rest that you'll need. He doesn't even say, turn off your cell phone for an afternoon and that will give you the rest you need. What he says is, come to me and I will give you that rest. Now these other things, man, they're nice, they're relaxing, but it is not going to give you the rest of body, mind, soul, and spirit that we need because that rest can only come from Christ Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. All those who are weary. Weary speaks about those things which we put responsibility on ourselves. They're, they're our daily labors, our toils. It's getting up and going to work. It's the responsibilities that we have. 
as, as parents, as spouses, as grandparents, as workers, as co-workers, as friends, as volunteers, as servants, as cowboys. Everyday life has a way of dragging us down, does it not? Just the daily toil, day after day, has a way of dragging us down. Haven't you ever felt just weary? Not, not tired. Not like you need a nap at the moment. But tell me that you haven't felt before just a weariness. It's probably an indication, maybe not probably, it is an indication that, that we must take the time to develop a great rest ethic to go along with our great work ethic. Jesus is offering us a refresher for being the kindest and most thankful person anyone knows. Yes, we are supposed to do those things. Yes, we are supposed to have our responsibilities. We are supposed to be good spouses and good uh, parents and good grandparents and good co-workers and good, uh, good cowboys. Be a part of the crew. I mean, all of this stuff. Yes, we're supposed to do that. And Jesus says, while you're doing it, it can take a toll on you. So I'm going to give you rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. Weary from our personal responsibilities. And he also says, and who are burdened. Or your Bible might say, heavy laden. What that burdened or heavy laden are the responsibilities and expectations that others place upon you. Weariness is about what you do, the stuff that you have for yourself. The heavy laden is the stuff that other people uh, put on us. And really, when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about the law. There was 613 laws that Jewish people must follow to be in right standing with God. And God did not come to remove those. He came to fulfill them once and for all, to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That's why he says, come to me, all you who are weary from doing the work and heavy laden of all these burdens that were placed upon you that you were never tough enough to fulfill anyway. When you openly follow Jesus, man, the expectations that others place on you can be near, nearly debilitating. I know this for a fact. I know this for a fact of, you know, people put expectations on you. Why preachers fall is because they're put on pedestals and they're just men. They're just men. I'm just a man. But when you openly follow Jesus, people are just waiting for you to hit your head on an alpaca and say a cuss word, you know? I mean, think about it. You know, you, you work with somebody and they know you're a Christian and if you slip up, man, they're the first ones to point it out, are they not? Oh, I thought you were a Christian. You know, holding you to a standard that they're not going to hold themselves to. People just waiting to knock you down. This is the stuff that Jesus is talking about when he says heavy laden. You know, we, we don't have the 613 Jewish laws anymore, but there are still expectations that others put on us that just wear us down. Folks expect you to foresee every calamity know all the answers. I mean, if you're a Christian, shouldn't you know all the answers? They expect you to ignore how they treat you, but you're supposed to treat them very nice, right? They can say whatever they want to to you, but you're supposed to be loving and kind and generous, right? We've all been there if you follow Jesus for very long. But you know what? Jesus is the counterweight to the expectations, the false expectations of others. And we've all been there of being weary just, just from life and and. Normal life can wear us down. Yes, we're supposed to have a great work ethic, but in order to have a truly great work ethic that is going to last, we must have a great rest ethic. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary from life, just normal life, and heavy burden the expectations of others, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke 
upon you. Jesus' yoke is faith compared to 613 laws. Instead of saying you must obey perfectly 613 different laws, why don't you just have faith in me? Now, a yoke is, is put on an ox or a draft horse or, or whatever, a mini, I don't know, whatever. You know, it's a harness, right? Take the yoke upon you for his, what does he say? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm humble and gentle at heart. A yoke is for work. He's not saying, man, you just get to sit back and relax, not do anything. Yes, you've got a job to do, but that job is made substantially easier. So instead of following 613 laws, now you must have faith in me. Just one. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I, I think that one of the reasons people are so weary and heavy laden is because we place our own yokes upon our backs of legalism. I mean, think about it. You, you know, you, you think about what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, re really the answer to that is faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as your Lord and Savior. That's what being a Christian means. But how many of us, even sitting in this room, even watching online, have, have made additions to that? And you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this, and thou shalt not do this. You know what I mean? You start throwing conditions upon it, right? We place our own yokes of legalism on ourselves. And a lot of times we put so much emphasis on working for God that we forget to work with God, and that'll wear us out. We live with high false expectations of ourselves, don't we? How many times have you beat yourself up because you didn't live up to your own lofty expectations? I'd say more than just a few. I think we all do it. We all want to be better, but let's understand that unless your name is Jesus Christ and your mom was a Virgin Mary, you're not going to be perfect. That is not a license to do whatever you want. It's a realization that somebody did it for us. Yes, we are to follow Him. We are to emulate Him. Will we be perfect? Not on earth, but we will be in heaven. Four ways to have a great rest ethic. We must have a come to Jesus meeting, and Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The second thing, that we must do to have a great rest ethic is to believe or not to believe. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, the writer of Hebrews says, For this good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was for them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. And then here it is. For only we who believe can enter His rest. Only we who believe can enter His rest. Man, I know a lot of good, there are great people out there that don't believe in God, and they're, they're weary. They're weary. They are heavy laden. And the only thing that they're missing is to believe in God that He has prepared a rest. How do we know that? Six days on and one day off. Isn't that the, that, that right there is kind of the quintessential cowboy, working ranch cowboy job, if you're on a good outfit. Work six days, get one day off. Kind of biblical, isn't it? Isn't that what God did? He worked six days, and he took one day off. This is the faithful man's work schedule. Let me say that again. And if I'm not, <laughs> my toes are black and blue, I'm going to lose every toenail just preparing this. But a faithful man's work schedule is God's work schedule. Six days on, one day off. Six days on, one day off. And I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that God made a day for us to rest. God made us a day for us to rest. You know, 
Really, in a way, he commanded us to rest. The bad news is that most of us, especially in the cowboy culture, never take a day off. And we brag about disobeying God. We are too busy to do what God says. I mean, that, that is exactly what we're saying. When we do not take a day off, six days on, one day off, and I'm not talking about making the seventh day, that rest day, some sort of legalistic ritual. That's not what I mean. But when we don't rest, we are telling God, we are stronger than you are. You toiled for six days and took a day off. I don't need to do that. I am faithful in all things, but I don't have to do that part. In order to have a great work ethic, we must have a great rest ethic, which leads us to the third thing. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6, it says, So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Man, if we are disobedient to God, if we are disobedient to God, no wonder we're tired. No wonder we're worn out. No wonder we've plateaued. No wonder we've hit the proverbial brick wall and we're just done. No wonder we're snapping at our spouses. No wonder we're snapping at our kids. Because we've disobeyed God. We've disobeyed God. And, and I mean, you think about it, how much emphasis do we place on the big sins? You know, homosexuality and drunkenness and adultery and all of that. Man, what about not resting like God told us to? See, I mean, can we just throw that one out? No, we can't. See, the Israelites wanted rest from slavery. But they wanted the rest on their terms, right? I mean, they're rescued by God by all these plagues and all these miracles and everything, and the first thing they do is go make a golden calf to worship it, right? They wanted, they wanted the rest, but they wanted it on their own terms. And I would hate to see the tally in God's little book, which He does not keep. He doesn't keep a tally book of sins because His Word says that I will remember their sins no more. But if there was a tally book of sins, I guarantee you, it would probably be in the millions of the times that I tried to do Christianity on my terms instead of God's. Chances are you have too. You can't be obedient to God without being obedient to God. The Israelites wanted the rest from slavery, but they wanted it on their terms and they got nothing. No wonder we have burnout. No wonder we have anxiety and depression. Instead of a piece of land being our rest, now it is Christ where we find our rest. The, the promised land to the Israelites were their place of rest, where they were no longer slaves to Egypt. But now, instead of a piece of land, it is Christ where we find our rest. And resting in Christ, resting in Christ has four elements to it. You must believe that God is relational and personal. And that's really hard for some people. It was really hard for me for a long time because I was very comfortable with worshiping a God. I was really comfortable worshiping a God, a God that could get mad at me and put me in my place and you know, maybe bless me if I did something good. That's, that was my Christianity, and that's all, that's all bogus. Because one night, I was laying in bed, and I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And I didn't want to look at God as my Father, because I think a boy turns into a man when he realizes that his Father is just a man, susceptible to the same mistakes as everybody else, that he's not some hero from, you know, the Marvel Universe that'll swoop in and be able to save the day every day. It's not. I was comfortable with God being God. I was not comfortable with Him being my Father. To be able to curl up in His lap and just pour your heart out to Him 
See, if you want to enter God's rest, you must understand that God is relational and it's personal. It's a personal relationship where you know Him. He knows you. You're not just a fanboy in the audience standing in the back row. You're not just at church sitting in the back row. That God is right there with us and wants to have a personal relationship with us. If we want to enter into rest, God's rest, we must understand that God is relational and personal. And you must stop trying to create your own rest and use what's already there. It's the best and easiest. We must trust that Jesus will give you the rest He promised. Resting in Christ has four elements to it. You must believe that God is relational and personal. Stop trying to create your own rest. Well, I rest this way. No, if you want to rest like God wants you to, there's only one way, and that's in Christ. And you just trust that Jesus will give you the rest He promised, and you must follow Him wholeheartedly. You know, I told you that I was rejuvenated after my little trip up into the mountains, but it really had nothing to do with the cabin. It didn't even have anything to do with the beautiful fall colors. It didn't even have anything to do with the bubbling stream. I got to spend time with God, man to man. We had some long, hard talks. And he never condemned me, but he did tell me that I could do better and that he would help me do better. And yeah, there was some tears shed in the middle of the night when nobody was watching. But I got to enter his rest, and you can too. You can too. If we want to enter his rest, we must have a come to Jesus meeting. He says, come to me. He's the only way you're going to get that rest. And in doing so, you must believe it's the doorway that leads to that rest. And part of it is obedience. We pride ourselves on the obedience, and yet we brag about working all the time. And finally, finally, there is a, there's a time for rest. Okay, There's a time for rest. Let me tell you when it's not. It's never tomorrow. It's never tomorrow. Today is when you can find that rest that you need. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7, the very next verse, the writer says, So God set another time for entering His rest, and that time is today. God announces to David much later in the words already quoted, Today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. And that's my, that's my closing message to you today. Today when you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. You have to be present in order to rest. Rest isn't just the absence of toil, but the absence of worry. In 1 Peter 5, verse 7, it says, Leave all your fretting in God's tack room because He loves you and doesn't want you packing it around. 1 Peter 5, 7, simplified cowboy version. God doesn't want you to pack all of those cares and anxieties. He doesn't want you packing it around. You weren't made for it. Give it to Him. He's strong enough to carry it for you. Your Bible probably says, cast all your cares and anxieties on Him, for He cares for you. Today is the day for rest. Rest isn't just the absence of toil. It is the absence of worry. It is the unburdening of our hearts. Mental and spiritual exhaustion are often worse than physical exhaustion, and you know this well, cowboys. I mean, a hard day on the ranch is nothing to sometimes those spiritual and mental exhaustion that we've all been through. You know, I'm so guilty of being anywhere except the present. And that's something that God worked on me over the last four days, is being able to be present. Because if you're not present for the rest, there is no rest. See, for me, and maybe this fits some of y'all too, I'm next week. I'm yesterday. I'm this afternoon. I'm anywhere except here right now, most of the time. I'm when I'm retired. I'm back in high school. 
I'm sad when nothing is wrong and I'm anxious about what might happen in the future. So God set another time for entering His rest and that time is today. Today, when you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not make this a legalistic matter. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. God created you a blueprint on what He wants for the work part of your life. Work six days, off one. And I'm not going to stand up here and get all legalistic about it. It's Sunday. Sometimes it might have to be Wednesday. Sometimes it might have to be Tuesday. But you know what I do love so much? Have you ever noticed that Sunday's right here on the calendar? Well, for y'all, Sunday's right here on the calendar. Saturday's over here. Sunday is the first day of the week, believe it or not. And on the first day of the week, God tells us to rest. It's like, how about you take your rest first and then work? I love God. And you do it. Listen. I am not so much on this stage that I don't know that this is probably going to be one of the hardest things for some of y'all cowboys and cowgirls is to be able to rest. But today we've outlined a way to get that done because a great work ethic absolutely requires a great rest ethic. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we are tired. We're tired of trying to do your job, tired of trying to figure everything out. God, help us today, not tomorrow to rest in your goodness, grace, and mercy. Refill our souls that we may go out and do your will and love others as you've loved us. God, our actions and words so that others may see you through our faith. And God, I pray that if someone is out there listening right now and knows deep in their hearts that they haven't given everything to you, that they may surrender and let you take the reins so that they may enter into your rest. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but the rest our souls need today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.